You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm very excited tonight. We have several authors here representing uh, science fiction's deep, deep ecology all the way back into the pulps and representing also uh, modern fantasy and modern thrillers. And so um, rather than go on and on about that, we'll talk about that at our discussion afterwards. Uh, the first two authors I'd like to introduce are James Rollins and James Clemens, who um, both write, uh, one writes um, sort of modern technical, technically correct thrillers, uh, that's Rollins, and Clemens writes uh, modern fantasy. And the thrillers are all, most of them are, I think they're from HarperCollins, right? HarperCollins, yeah. In the, uh, the Signa Force series. And I think you've written some standalones of that too, right? Right. Did a lot yeah. of standalones before the Sigma series. I, I really resisted doing Sigma series for a long time. Oh, really? But Un- they, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure to do so. <laughs> okay. All right. So I think tonight we're going to hear uh, from Mr. Rollins or Mr. Clemens. Which is it going to be? Uh, I'm going to read from uh, Clemens. All right. Since Clemens I'm is going to read, and all I can promise at this point, I don't know what he's going to read, but. I, I know that he always strives to put what he calls the three M's in his work, which is murder, magic, and mayhem. Exactly. So we will turn it over to James Clemens. Thank you very much. Thank you, Terry. What I'm going to read from is the, uh, the prologue to my first book. So um, I've got other material. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to, re- to, to read here because I wear so many different hats. It's always a, a challenge when it comes to these things, especially since I hate to read. You do? Uh, how many people actually enjoy authors hearing them read, just by the way? So, so several. I think you should only read if you can do funny voices. Um, if you can do funny voices. <laughs> you so only I, are allowed to read here if you so don't I'm going, do I'm going, I'm going to read it. It's fairly <laughs> short, but I'm going to read. Um, and if, if you want to hear more, uh, I, I've got other things I could read. But I'm just going to read the intro to, to Witchfire, which is actually the second book I ever wrote. Uh, Subterranean was my first book, which I thought I was writing science fiction because uh, I come from you know reading science fiction fantasy and reading pulp novels uh, of Doc Savage series, Spider, Avengers, uh, the Bantam reprints uh, of those series. And uh, Subterranean had basically um, telepathic marsupial creatures that live under, underneath Antarctica. For some reason, my publisher just didn't think that was science fiction. I um, wasn't quite sure why. <laughs> she said, no, we're going to sell, sell this as a mainstream novel. Uh, but I've got telepathic marsupial creatures that live underneath Antarctica. Yeah, but it t- takes place in modern times, so it, it can't be science fiction. But I've got telepathic marsupial creatures that live underneath Antarctica. <laughs> so, but you know, so uh, again, I'm from a sci-fi fa- background, and I had a hard time selling Subterranean, mostly because of the telepathic marsupial creatures that live underneath Antarctica. So I decided, uh, well, maybe I'm not a science fiction writer. Maybe I'm a fantasy writer. So I wrote my first fantasy, and that's what I'm going to. I'm going to read you the. Uh, the, the submission I gave to um, the Maui Writers Conference, which uh, based upon that, uh, Terry Brooks ended up giving me a, uh, sort of a hand up a little bit in Del Rey and introduced me to his editor. He was one of the uh, judges at the contest I had submitted this. So I'm going to read you my, my contest submission. Cool. <coughs> and you'll wonder why I got published. 
Okay, this is, the, this is, this is a little foreword that, that I thought I'd read first by uh, a very nice gentleman that was kind enough to give me a foreword to my first novel. His name's uh, Jerobe Sordoun, uh, Director of University Studies. <clears throat> first of all, the author is a liar. Do not proceed deeper into the work without first accepting this fact and holding it firmly in mind as you grasp this translation in hand. The author will try to confuse your mind, to cloud your reason. Beware of his many traps. For five centuries, this document has been outlawed. At one time, the mere perusal of its first page warranted execution. And even in this enlightened time, many scholars still believe every copy of the Kelvish Scrolls ought to be destroyed. I, too, am of that circle of scholars. So why, you must wonder, am I writing the foreword to this vile first document? Simply because I'm impractical. I'm, I'm practical. Banning, burning, and outlawing the texts have not eradicated their existence. Handwritten copies, memorized translations, pages written in secret code, and many other nefarious incarnations of the scrolls survived the purges. Over the recent decades, it was sadly realized that the only practical way to deal with this abomination was by regulating it, and thereby limiting its access to those with the prior instruction and study. Doing so, its lies, deceptions, and half-truths could be debunked. For this reason, this version of the scroll has been released for postgraduate studies only. Your instructor has been properly trained and licensed in the safe reading of this first text. Do not scrutinize the book without this instruction. Do not read beyond your prescribed schedules outlined in the syllabus. Do not share this with a friend or family member unless they are attending the same class. For more than a decade, this manner of control has kept the rumors and curiosity about the scrolls to a minimum. There is nothing like dry academia to blend the thrill or to bleed the thrill from a banned document. This translation of the first scroll is, our <clears throat> is to our knowledge, one of, the one of the few that reflects the true original. There are scores of bastardized translations in other countries and lands, but in your hand is a direct translation written almost three centuries ago of the original text. Where the actual handwritten scroll disappeared to and who wrote it will <clears throat> still remains a scholarly mystery. So here in your hands is the closest approximation to the true abomination you are likely to encounter. Only a slut cadre of postgraduate students are allowed to attend this instructed reading. It is both an honor and a responsibility. After you have completed the reading of this text, you will undergo a vigorous class on how to conduct yourself when queried about the book. And you, dear students, will face questions from the uninitiated. So beware, much curiosity still surrounds this document among the poor and uneducated public, and one of the main goals is to weaken this curiosity. We will teach you methods to calm the curious and to turn interest into a yawn. Proceed with caution, and remember, at all times, in your waking hours and in your dreams, the author is a liar. <laughs> now, these are the first words of that scroll by, the, by the, uh, the narrator who actually narrates the scrolls. Words written in black ink on parchment are a fool's paradise, and I, as a writer, know this only too well. Pronunciations change, meanings mutate, nothing survives intact the ravages of blind time. So why am I writing this? Why pursue this folly? This is not the first time I have told her damned story. I have written her many times in many incarnations, one time virginal in her honor, another time evil without soul or conscience. I have portrayed her, portrayed her as a buffoon, a prophet, a clown, a savior, a hero, and a villain. But in reality, she was all of these and none. She was simply a woman. And for the first time, I will tell her true story, a truth that may, with luck, finally destroy me. I still remember her promise, if only a single heartbeat, as if only a single heartbeat had passed. Curse or blessing, little man. Do with it what you want, but when the marching of years weighs too heavy, tell my story. Tell my true story, and you will find your end. But can I? So much time has passed. 
a thousand tongues, mine included, have distorted the events with each telling, twisting them detail by detail, word by word, each storyteller embellishing his favorite parts, like starving curs <clears throat> on a meat bone. We tear at its substance, dragging it through the grime, following it with saliva and blood until nothing but a ragged remnant of the original survives. As I put ink to paper, my hand shakes. I sit here in this rented room and scrawl each word with a sore wrist. Around me are piled stacks of crumbling parchment and dusty books, bits and pieces of the puzzle. I collect them to me like dear old friends, keeping them close at hand and heart, something I can rub with my fingertips and smell with my nose, some tangible evidence of, this, of my distant past. As I hold the pen poised, I remember her final words, each knife that cuts jaggedly, her sweet face, the sunlight on her shorn hair, the bruise under her right eye, the bloody lip that her tongue kept touching as she fought out her final words to me. And I remember the sadness in her eyes as I laughed at her folly. Damn those eyes. But that was later, much later. To understand the end, you must know first the beginning. And to understand even the beginning, you must understand the past. The past that has disappeared into myth long before she was born. Let me, show, let me show you, if I can find it, a parchment that tells of the creation of the book itself, the tome that would destroy a girl and a world. Ah, here it is. And that's the book. <laughs> so based upon that, I ended up uh, going to the Maui Writers Conference. And uh, the first night of the conference, it's the first time I ever went to a writers conference. I really wasn't knowing how to, how to act. Uh, I was rather intimidated by the entire event. It was in Maui, and, uh, you know, if you're going to go to a convention, go to one in Maui. Were you a guest or a writer? I was just, I just, uh, I had, nothing was published at that point. I uh, just went there as a, as a uh, trying to learn some, in, some tricks of the trade. And they had one of those um, meet and greet teas before the event where authors can mingle with the public. And I didn't know how to behave. They required at that time, because it was one of the first years the conference was running, that, that gentlemen wear coats. And this is, by the way, Maui at the <laughs> over, over Labor Day weekend. So, you know, end of August, Maui. So I enter this conference room, and it's full of people who seem to suddenly know everybody else in the audience. Everybody seems to be talking in little groups, and I do not know how to break into little groups. I, you know, I'm, I'm walking through that crowd, you know, a little dazed. I'm not quite sure how to to talk to people and just, just sidle up to them and go, you know, I like dogs. Uh, <laughs> I'm just not trying to break that conversation. And so I'm, yeah, I, I'm, what happened next, I, I blame slightly on a delusion, is that I'm, I'm wandering through this crowd and, and I, I look across the crowd and I think I, I recognize somebody. I think, oh my gosh, that's somebody from Sacramento where I'm from. And not somebody I know well, just a friend of a friend. So I, I hurry up to him, I clap on the shoulder and I go, you know, I can't believe you're here. What are you doing here? And he turns to me and it's Ron Howard. Because Ron Howard, without his hat on, is quite bald, and uh, he looks a little bit like my friend from Sacramento, but he wasn't. And he turns to me and goes, well, sir, I was invited. And I was going, oh, that, that's good. I just wanted to check. Make sure you weren't crashing the party. So I felt about like this big, and I sort of slink away. I thought, okay, I'm not going to talk to anybody else in this the rest of this conference. I don't know what I'm doing here. So I'm now circling this room, practically sweating through my jacket, now having to watch for Ron Howard's security just in case... He pounces on me, and, and uh, I see Terry Brooks, and I recognize Terry Brooks, big fan of the Sword of Shannara series, and I'm pretty sure it's Terry Brooks. I circle him a few times, and I check this time, I check his name tag, and it indeed says Terry Brooks, so I feel safe to approach him. I say, oh, Mr. Brooks, I'm a big fan of yours. Yeah. Read you since junior high, blah, blah, blah. Typical fanboy, genuflected, kissed his ring. And he looks at my name, he goes, yeah, 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 I'm a big fan of yours, too. I thought, well, that's rude. 
<laughs> here being nice to him, and he's sort of insulting me. And uh, he goes, no, no, I was one of the judges of this year's contest. I read your submission, and, and here's my my editor. He would like to speak to you. And, you know, based upon that personal introduction, I ended up with a, you know, a three-book fantasy deal. So it was a, it was a good conference. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's the story of that book. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.